0: I just want to express appreciation to our music team. we a little bit spoiled, you know. Week after week, this good music, and we so appreciate it. Thank you very much. Right on. If you weren't here with us last week, you won't know that we have been talking a little bit about rituals, and we all have rituals. Last week, we, you know, we have morning rituals, right? Things that we do in a habitual way over and over, and, and uh, I don't know whether you have any Mother's Day rituals. How many mothers had breakfast in bed by show of hands? Anybody? Ah, I see. Yes, yes, yes. Beautiful. <laughs> Jillian, put up your hand. It's my daughter. I know her daughter made her breakfast uh, in bed. Anyway, uh, so we, ha- we have things that we do. And, and on Mother's Day, we-, we have some rituals there. And some of you mums are here. And maybe some of you mums have uh, some of your family that have come in to be with you. And a special meal. You go out to a restaurant. or You get flowers. And, and we do things um, kind of like that. Uh, And society has all kinds of rituals for different aspects of life. And the church has rituals. Rituals that have been given by God to the church to practice. And we talked about what would qualify as an ongoing ritual for the church uh, last week. Or what are often called ordinances. God has ordained them. And we said uh, Christ, the head of the church, needed to um, command that and and initiate that. And we would have to see the ongoing practice of that in the early church in the Bible to consider it one of these sacred rituals or ordinances that we should do. And we said when we apply those criteria to it, uh, there are two rituals that have been given to the church. And one is the Lord's table, the table that we see here, or communion, or the Eucharist, or the Lord's supper, and we looked at all of those last week. And the other one is baptism. And uh, so today we want to look at the second of those ordinances or rituals, baptism. And my goal in this is to help us understand what this Ritual that God gave us is all about what it means, how it's practiced, and and it's my prayer that you would understand how this relates to you and your life and where you are, and uh, if this is the next step for you in your faith journey, uh, that God would encourage you and and prod you a little bit in this area. So in order to do this, I just want to ask and answer some questions about different aspects of baptism that uh, should uh, hopefully help us in this way. And the first question I want to ask is this. What is the meaning of baptism? Or what is the significance of baptism, this, this rite that's been given to the church, this, this uh, special sacred action? What, what is the meaning of it? And I want to give you four things under here. Now, the first thing is, it is an initia- it's an initiatory act. It's a launching. It's a beginning. It, it, it signifies a believer's entrance or initiation into God's family as the people of God or the church. And it's the place where you make your first confession of faith publicly. It's the place where you confess that faith. Now, we have um, uh, many uh, kind of initiatory ceremonies. And when a person graduates, for instance, uh, they would, uh, there, there would be a whole ceremony involved in that. And uh, there would be a, uh, a speaker that would address the students, and then they would be called by name, and they would be given a, uh, uh, a, a, a plaque. They would be given a... Uh, a gown and regalia, they would walk across to receive a diploma and they would come and uh, they would either maybe have that uh, hood placed on them and then they would take that tassel and move it from one side to another to signify, you are now a graduate your initiation into this, and here are all the rights and privileges that you have. When I came here as your pastor, our district superintendent came and inducted me. He installed me in my role as the church. Um, You know, uh, just like over 40 years ago, I went to church to see a woman who would be my wife, in a ceremony that's called the Marriage Ceremony. And a whole pile of people came to check this out, Uh, family and friends who were invited. And um, people were all here, and uh, I was here with groomsmen and standing at the front of the church, and I was watching with great joy and delight as I saw these Uh, bridesmaids come down, and then I saw the apple of my eye, my sweetheart coming, and she came and took her place at the front of the church, and our pastor was the officiant in that. And uh, we talked about this initiation into this new relationship of marriage into which we were uh, to enter. And um, uh, we pledged vows before God and before this company of people. And we became husband and wife. And and that kind of picture is a little bit of the picture of what baptism is. It's an initiatory rite. It's saying, I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I am initiated into the body of Christ, into the family of God, into the church. And and so just as that happens, uh, for us, baptism is kind of like that. It's kind of an initiation into God's family for those who are believers, and we state our commitment to Christ and our vows to Him. And, um, and Matthew twenty-eight verse nineteen says this: "Go and make disciples of all nations, followers of Christ. A disciple is a follower of Christ. Make followers of Christ of all nations, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, and the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit." And then teach him to obey everything I've commanded. So when a person becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, their initiation into the body is baptism. And as they're baptized, after that, then they go on a lifelong process of learning to obey everything Jesus has taught. And so our responsibility to you as leaders in the church is to help you follow Jesus Christ to understand what he commanded and help you to obey those things um, in your life. And uh, uh, Acts 2:41 says this. Those who accepted uh, Peter's message, when Peter gave the first sermon after Jesus had left, public sermon, um, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number. They became a part of the body of Christ. And so when we think about um, baptism, I want you to think of it first as an initiatory rite, bringing you into the family of God. Well, secondly, it's a declaration of a believer's commitment to Christ. When a person is baptized, they're making a statement about their allegiance to Jesus, their loyalty to Christ. They're making a transfer of the loyalty that they have to anything else and placing that in Jesus Christ, that they will follow him. It's it's their intention to be faithful followers of Jesus through their whole life as a disciple of his. And it's a public disclosure of this faith that you have made. Now we said last week we were talking about communion. Whenever we sit at the communion table, and we, we talked, if by the way, if you weren't there and you want to get this, you can go back on our you can go back on our website, uachome.org, and you can see the message on communion. But in communion, um, what we do is one of the things we do is we renew. Our baptismal confession. And when we hear people who are baptized, they'll be asked this question. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes. Is it your desire to follow him all the years of your life? Yes. You're making that declaration that your loyalty is to Christ. And when we sit at this table as well, we remember what Christ did for us. We remember that we put our trust in him. And it's a renewal that baptismal confession, I will be faithful to Jesus Christ. These aren't empty symbols. These aren't empty rituals that are, oh, meaningless, and you, you, you don't even think about it. No, these, these are special and significant to us. And so it's, it's, uh, that baptismal confession is our declaration that we are committed to Jesus Christ. Well, thirdly, um, it's a picture of a believer's cleansing, cleansing all of us have the taint of sin all of us are in rebellion against god all of us need to be cleansed from our sins and in the bible water is uh, is a medium that is used and thought about in terms of cleansing uh, making clean washing and uh, the water of baptism gives us a picture of the cleansing done by jesus on our behalf in acts 238 uh, Peter says this, when they said, what, what, should, we, what should we do? When, they, when the Jews found out that uh, Peter said, you put to death our Messiah, and they were mortified, and they said, well, what should we do? And he said this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They needed cleansing from sin. A baptism is a picture of that cleansing that Christ brings. In Acts 22 and verse 16, Saul, uh, Saul of Tarsus, who became the great missionary and church leader, Paul the Apostle, uh, when, he was, when he was confronted by Christ on the road to Damascus, and he was blinded by the glory of Christ and found himself groping in the floor uh, on the ground, not, not, able, not able to see anything, um, uh, he was told by a, a, an agent that, that uh, Jesus sent to him. He, he said, "What are you waiting for?" To, he says to, to Saul, "Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name." So there's a picture uh, uh, in baptism is a picture of the cleansing of our sin and making us cle- clean and pure before God, cleansed from sin and defilement. Well, fourthly, it's, it's a picture of an expression of a believer's identification with Christ in his death and burial and resurrection. I want you to remember the word identification, identification of our union with Christ. We are united with Christ. Uh, in his work on our behalf, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, one of the favorite expressions of the Apostle Paul to speak about what it was to be a Christian was this. He says, you are in Christ. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. In Christ, in Christ. It happens scads of time in uh, in the New Testament. Um, You're in Christ. What does it mean? Well, Romans 6, 3 and 4 says this. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I want to help illustrate that for you. Uh, I want to suggest to you, just for illustration, that this box, this shoe box, will represent Christ. And he said, for us, um, what we here we here we are. Let's let's say this reflects our life. That's Christ, and this is us. And he says, What you are, if you are in Christ, I'm gonna put myself or you put yourself in Christ. So I am in Christ. What does that mean? That I identify with Christ. Uh, That means that when God sees me, he sees Christ. He doesn't see me independent. He sees me in Christ. I am in Christ. And being in Christ, um, uh, the Apostle Paul said, we're baptized into his death. We experience with him being in him death, burial, and resurrection. And so, if, if I take this, um, do, you know, do you know that Satan has some limited access to heaven and to God? And, uh, you know, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. He accuses people. And so, when I think of myself, um, uh, I, can, I can see, not that I'm in, in the worldwide scheme, okay, I'm not a drop in the ocean. I'm, I'm insignificant. But let's say that Satan chose to uh, speak to God about me. And he said, look at that Kevin Rutledge. Some kind of Christian. Not even a Christian. He's a pastor. He's a church leader. Do you see the attitude he had? Do you see how he was selfish? Do you see how, how he was thoughtless? with? And, and, and that's what you call a Christian? Accusing the brethren. And... Uh, And he said, well, you know, he should die for that sin. He he should be judged for that sin. And, and, you know, God says, no, no. You see, he's in Christ. When I see Kevin Rutledge, I don't see this guy just who sinned. I see he's in Christ. And in Christ, my sins are paid for. He said, he's got to die for his sins. Okay, he died in Christ. He died. Christ died for the pe- taking the penalty of his sin. And was buried. And he was raised again to life. So I am resurrected in Christ. And, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And, and, and not only that, he, he says we're raised uh, from the dead through the glory of the Father that we might live a new life. And so here I am. I'm seen through Christ. His death his burial, he's paid for my sins. All of his righteousness accrues to my account. All of his righteousness. And, and he grants me to live a new life in the spirit of God. And that's the picture of baptism. It's a picture of being in Christ. It's what it means to be in Christ, in union with him. And so when we have baptism, we have this incredible picture of a person who comes and they come with their sin and they come with the degradation and all of the ugly stuff that we're ashamed of. And we're plunged into the water. And in the water we die with Christ. And all that stuff is lost and cleansed in the water and we're brought up out of the water by the resurrection power of Christ to live a new life. And that's the beautiful picture and reality that, uh, that is portrayed in this uh, beautiful ceremony. The apostle Paul would say in Colossians 3.3, 3, for you died and your life is hidden in Christ with God. The condemnation, the condemnation, all of that is gone. Our standing is secure and baptism is that picture of our identification with Christ. I am his and he is mine. I am in him and I have his protection over me. And I died to that old self, that rebellious, self-willed, sinful person. And I am raised to live a new life before him. That's a powerful picture of our experience in Christ with his dying, burial, and resurrection to new life. As such, communion, we said, is a proclamation of the saving work of Jesus. Every time we... Sharing communion we proclaim his death till he comes right we make a proclamation and so in baptism When we go through the waters of baptism What we do is we make this declaration of the incredible gospel the power of the gospel to change our lives to to cleanse us and to make us new people Well, the question uh, then that begs is who should be baptized Who should be baptized? And as we examine the New Testament, we see that it is this. It's people who put their faith in Jesus and become his followers. People who put their faith in Jesus and become his followers. Now in Matthew 28, in verse 19, we we read this. It said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. So the people who are to be baptized are the people who become followers of Jesus. And you become a follower of Jesus by putting your faith and trust, turning from your sin and willfulness, putting your trust in Jesus Christ. And what he did when he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, we become disciples. We become followers of Jesus Christ. And it's those people who have become followers of Jesus Christ that then are to be baptized, In Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 2, excuse me, when Paul preached that message, it says, those who accepted, excuse me, Peter, those who accepted his message were baptized. So they had to hear the message, hear the truth of what Peter was telling them, and they had to receive that, accept that, put their faith in that message. And those who did that were baptized. They believed and were baptized. In Acts chapter 8, Philip has gone to Samaria to share the gospel with the Samaritans. He's preaching there. And uh, we read this, but when they believed Philip, as Philip gave the gospel, when they believed, uh, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. So what, what we see here is in every case, there's a priority of Placing faith in Jesus Christ and then expressing that faith through baptism. Believe and be baptized over and over again. That's how it's put in the New Testament. In fact, every record of baptism in the New Testament is preceded by a hearing and an accepting of the gospel. By believing in the gospel. And so when we ask the question, who's qualified to be baptized It is those who become believers in Jesus Christ are to be baptized. Well, it begs the question for us also, well, what about infants? Because maybe a number of you have been baptized when you were a baby. You don't remember it. You were told about it. Maybe you saw a picture or there was some little certificate or something like that. Um, How about that? Um, Do we baptize babies? And again, I would say, the, the format that we see in Scripture is that over and over again, it's those who are baptized are those who believe. And we see this pattern in the New Testament. And obviously, an infant is not able to come to that understanding to volitionally, volitionally make that decision. And so we would say that uh, we do not baptize infants, but what we do do is we... Um, we have uh, for them a service of dedication where parents who want their children to follow Jesus Christ will commit their children to God. But let me tell you this. It's probably even more so they're committing themselves to train their children up to know Christ. And so if you've been wondering, you know, I have a baby or a child or I have a baby on the way and I'm wondering, I want to do everything I can for my children, every blessing I can. Well then, what we, do, we do not baptize infants because of what I said, but we do dedicate them. And so if it's your heart and desire to commit yourself fully to helping your child come to follow Christ, we can, we can talk about uh, dedication of children. Um, and uh, let, me, let me say, well, the question is that what about children? Can children be baptized? Should children be baptized? And again, for us, baptism is contingent upon having an understanding of the truth and being able to embrace that truth and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so can children do that? Yes, they can. Um, and what we're looking for is, is does a children ha- does a child have the understanding and knowledge of what it is? Because we don't want these to be meaningless uh, occurrences or rituals with them. We want it to be significant and meaningful. If they if they know, and uh, they're able to understand and have made a commitment to Christ, and uh, let me say also, if if they're old enough to understand. A little bit about what that's all involved, because you can have a young child, and, and they have a very, uh, you, what you love about children is just that childlike faith that they have, um, but that they have an understanding of what it really means, and then with, in, in conjunction with you as parents and we as church leaders sitting down and talk about it, we can talk about what's a good time uh, for a child. Now, personally, I was baptized when I was 12. I had a very profound experience in faith as a little child and and grew in that, and I was baptized at 12. Um, So does a person really know and understand? Well, the question comes up then is, when should a person be baptized? When should a person be baptized? And uh, if a person is a believer, if they're a follower of Jesus Christ, then when should they be baptized? Should there be a probationary period? Should we say, well, we want to watch you. You're on probation for six months or one year or five years or whatever. And if you seem to do this, 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 this and then you can be baptized. Uh, is, is it that way? Um, or is it after undergoing training and instruction um, that's required, you know, there are some traditions in which they have catechism classes, and I think some of those are very wonderful. And, and they'll take uh, children and young people and put them through uh, a, a, a catechism teaching uh, that can go uh, months and months. And then they say, when you've completed all this, then we'll baptize you. Well, what, is, what do we say? Again, I want to appeal to Scripture and the practice of the New Testament. And here's what we find in the New Testament, that it is as soon after conversion as is possible. Now, here's what happens. Uh, look at in Acts 2 and verse 41. Those who accepted his message, imagine this. Peter preaches a message, and 3,000 people say, I want to follow Jesus Christ. I believe that he's our Savior and our Messiah. I want to follow him. And so the apostles, the 12 of them, baptized 3,000 people that day. I said that was their initiation into the church. But it happened same day. They declared Christ, and they proclaimed that in baptism. And um, if you're a believer... um, this is kind of how it happens in, in the, the New Testament. Look at a, chapter 8 and verse 12 in Samaria with Philip. And when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. They believed, bang, baptized. It, it wasn't, well, we'll put this off for a while and check it out. They were baptized. In Acts 16, verse 30 and 33, uh, 30 to 33, with the Apostle Paul and Silas, and they're imprisoned in a Philippian jail, and they've been beaten. And in the night, an angel comes and opens the gates, and the jailer, who's been snoozing, wakes up to see the, the doors are all open. He's going to kill himself. He may as well do it because if any prisoner escapes, he'll be put to death anyway as a jailer. And Paul says, "Whoa, whoa! Don't hurt yourself. We're all here. No problem." And he shared with him the gospel. And and the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And uh, he brought them out. uh, So uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, be saved. You and your household. And then they spoke the word of God to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds and immediately... He and his household were baptized. So what I'm saying is, when is the time to get baptized? Right after you become a follower of Christ. Uh, that's what the Bible says. You say, well, but but what if we don't know whether they'll stick? We don't know whether you know that's that's not it. The, the point is, you baptize them, and then we commit to those people uh, to teach them to obey everything that Christ has commanded. Uh, that's our responsibility. As the church. Uh, so there's no need for delay. And because of this, we've set two weeks from today, May 28th, as a time for uh, a baptismal service. So if this is you, uh, I want to encourage you then to consider that. Well, then here's a question How should a person be baptized? Uh, Because there are various modes of baptism that are used in different traditions out there, practiced by different groups. The first one is sprinkling, and many of you will know that, often with babies. They sprinkle some water or or make the sign of the cross with water on a baby's forehead. Uh, So there's sprinkling, there's pouring in in some of the Mennonite traditions. Uh, They pour over uh, a a person's head. Um, But thirdly, there's immersion immersion and we practice baptism by immersion so why do we why do we do it that way i'll tell you what you know i was in my first church and um we were having a baptismal service i don't made me think this but the the tank was filled and um i thought i'm just going to check it and i went and there were like there were like hundreds of liters gone out of the tank and i thought oh my I went downstairs, and here's water everywhere. I called another guy, and, and I am mopping up water. And I said, why do we have to immerse? This is just such a bad idea. Why do we do this? So, I want to give you a reason why we do this, why we have up in here a big tank that we fill with water for baptism so we can dunk you and get you all wet. Um, and, and here's, here's why. The first one is the term that is used, and, and the term means to baptize in the Greek language means to dip or it means uh, to immerse or it means to plunge and, and so if you were to if you were going to, uh, if you were going to uh, dye a garment some some fabric, you would take a vat of dye and you would baptize. That garment in the dye, you would submerge it. You would put it in. You'd, you'd dip it. You'd immerse. You'd baptize it. That's what you would do. And so the word in the New Testament, and they, there were words for other expressions. The word that was always used for baptize means to immerse. Well, secondly, the New Testament practice seemed to be immersion when we looked at uh, at what we see. So let me just give you a couple of verses in Mark one five. Uh, Mark says this, The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, that's to John the Baptist, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him, where? In the Jordan River. They went into a river to do this. Now, if you want to sprinkle, I don't, you know, if you want to sprinkle a little bit of water on somebody's forehead, you don't necessarily... Go into a river to do that. It's unnecessary. In in uh, John three twenty three, John was also baptizing at Enon near Salem. Why? Why was he there? Because there was plenty of water, and the people were coming and being baptized. In Mark one and verse ten, Jesus was baptized, uh, and it says of this: just as Jesus was what coming up out of the water. He saw heaven being opened and the Spirit of God descending on a, a, like a dove. Why would he have to come up out of the water unless he were down in the water? In Acts 8, 36, there was this guy called the Ethiopian eunuch, and God sent uh, Philip to speak specifically to him. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot, And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. So what we see in the scripture where we have clear indications seems to be immersion from the word and from the practice. There's one last thing. And I think it's because it best portrays uh, the union with Christ that we were talking about, that we are in Christ, is pictured so beautifully, our union with him, into the water, being cleansed, leaving our sins behind, and being resurrected to this new life. The picture of that is, is such a poignant expression of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we, we uh, baptize by immersion, now, I've got uh, members of family on both sides of my family. I, I, I guess I didn't kind of have much of a chance. We've got ministry people on both sides of my mom and my dad's family. And I have an uncle who was, who was baptizing a woman once. And um, he, he baptized her, and she was wearing a wig. Um, I don't recommend it, okay? She was wearing a wig. And he baptized her, and when he baptized her, he brought her up, and the wig didn't stay on her head. And he said, "You know, I." He said, "I didn't. You know, and, and everything flashes through your mind in a second. He didn't know what to do, and and um, and, and he just he grabbed the wig, and he pasted it <laughs> right on her forehead." And he said, "Was I, he said? I, you know, I wondered whether I, you know, what's going to happen? What is this woman going to do to me? You know, this is." And she took the thing off. She started winging it around. She said, "Hallelujah!" <laughs> so, uh, so we we baptize and get you all wet, um, but you may want to... don't wear a wig or something like that, okay? Um, because. Uh, I don't want my life to flash before my eyes either. Um, here's a question. Is baptism necessary? Do I, do I really have to do that? Do I really ha- I don't want to get up in front of people. I, you know, I don't like water. Um, is this something that I have to do? Uh, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, and we've referenced this. Therefore, go, make disciples, and baptize them, and teach them. It wasn't left as an option for us. You know, I, you know, I, I like the Christian faith. I'm not really keen on the baptism thing. Okay? You know, Acts 2.38. Peter spoke to these people. They said, what do we do? We killed our Messiah. What do we do with that? And here's what Peter said. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's not an option, folks. this This is not discretionary. It's not optional for the faith. Jesus commanded us to do this. And he wants to bless us through that. Say, well, if I'm not baptized, will I I not go to heaven? Do I need to be baptized to go to heaven? Because, you know, there are some traditions that, you know, if you're deathly sick, you can call and somebody will come in and baptize you or baptize your baby because, you know, is is it necessary that way? And... I, I, don't, I don't in any way want to belittle baptism. It's crucial. It's important. But it's, but it's, it's not just a ritual act that saves you. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And, and when you have that true faith, and Jesus says, do it, you say, I'll do it. And, and some of you guys are really sharp, and some of you are thinking, aha, I think I've got your Rutledge, uh, because... In Luke 23, the two, the two uh, uh, criminals that were hung on either side of Jesus, one was making fun of Jesus, and then he realized this guy is not one of us. And he believed in who Jesus was, and he said to Jesus, uh, you know, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Aha, see, we don't have to be baptized. Can I, can I suggest to you? If you trust Christ hanging on a cross and you can 't get baptized it 's going to be okay if you if you are in intensive care and you trust Christ and you 're going to die he 's going to take care of you you don 't have to worry about that if you 're on death row as a prisoner waiting to waiting to uh, have a lethal injection. And you can't be baptized, but you put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's going to be okay. He's going to take care of you. Aside from that, you don't have any excuse. There's no excuse. Um, He's called us. He's called us to obey him. And I want you to know that when you obey him, he pours his blessing out on you. And, 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 uh, And true believers... I want to submit to God. If He says do it, they're going to do it. If He says this is what I want of you, then the the true follower of Christ is to do that. And I I want to talk. I want to talk to some of you because some of you have followed Christ. Maybe it was ten years ago, or thirty, or fifty, or sixty years ago. You trusted Christ. You're a believer. And you've never been baptized. In fact, it's almost a little embarrassing. You know, what am I, I've i been a Christian all these years and I haven't done that. Every time I hear something of baptism, I get this flinch, a uh, 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 twinge of guilt. And I think, oh man, I oh. just get by and put it out of my mind. And I want to challenge you. If you've never been baptized and you've been a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't care how long, you know, 50 or 60 years, do it. Do it. He will bless you in that. You say, well, you know, I have trouble getting up in front of people. He will help you. I remember a man came to me a number of years ago, and he said, I just can't do it. I just can't do it, he said. I can't be baptized. I just can't get up there and do it. And I said to him, look it. Jesus doesn't ask you to do anything that he at the same time won't give you the strength and the courage to step forward with it. And he went away. He came back about two weeks. He said, I got to do it. I got to do it. And it just, the sense is, God won't ask you to do something that he won't give you the strength to do. And so I want to I challenge you. If you've been a Christian for a while and never been baptized, I want you to consider doing that in the next couple of weeks. You may be a newer Christian. You're, you're a young Christian. And you say, yeah, I've trusted Christ. And... Um, Mm. I don't know whether I'm ready, and you know? I want to challenge you. Do as he says. Be baptized. Be baptized. And did um, and the person who's been thinking about the Christian faith for a while, even thinking, you know, um, it's kind of making sense to me. In two weeks' time, why don't you get baptized? You say, I'm, I'm ready. I, I, it's coming together, and, and I, I really believe this. And an interesting experience, in my previous church, there was a woman, there was this wonderful old lady in her 80s, and she met a student, an international student, in the laundry room of their apartment on their same floor. And they got friendly, and this older lady said, would you like to come to church with me? And she said, sure. She'd never gone to church. Um... She had, a, she had a communist background from mainland China. And uh, she, she came out to church week after week after week. I tried to connect with her a little bit, and she was very kind of, I felt her kind of closed to me. And um, about two years passed by. Every week she's coming with these ladies. They would pick her up and take her. And um, she came up to me one day, and she said, I want to be Baptized. I said, one well, then you want to be baptized? Yes, I want to be baptized. And, and seeing the gospel and hearing the gospel, she said, I'm ready to take that step. And so I want to say to you, you may be, you know what, this is making sense. And I believe this. I, something in me is just tugging on my heart. It's saying, this is true. When I need not get baptized? Uh, in two weeks' time, we have it. So, um... Out in the uh, lobby, on the desk in the lobby, there's some uh, uh, a few pages on um, an application for baptism. I want to encourage you to take that up or talk to me, talk to one of our staff, uh, email us. We would be happy to sit down with you and help you in the process of that, okay? Uh, And this is something... Uh, this is something important. It's critical. And we'll not leave you on your. We'll help you. We'll walk through you or, with this whole thing and help you, okay? And uh, I want to I ask you. I want to implore you. How's that? To take a step of faith and declare your allegiance and faith in Jesus Christ in two weeks' time. And, it, and if we've got too many people... We, we've saved a date for two weeks after that as well. So we're going to make a way for you to do this, okay? Um, because of the time, I, um, I, I'm going to pray, and then our musicians are going to play. And, um, and if you want to talk to us or you want to talk to one of our staff, we're available, okay? So let me pray. Father, thank you for um, baptism, for the symbol of our faith, for this expression of our faith and trust in you, publicly declaring Jesus Christ to be our Lord, initiating us into the body of Christ and such a beautiful picture of the cleansing and of the union that we have with you. Father, I pray that you would give grace and courage and strength to some people here who really need to settle this issue once and for all and declare themselves. I pray that you would give them what they need. Father, we know that you will stand with us in that. And so we just ask that you, your spirit would work in this place and in our lives as we follow you, as we obey you. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. and. Go and take good care of your mothers.